Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now age of radio I think the boys are going to like it today. You know why? Because we're drunk as skunks. Well, we're drunk as fuck. But we moved them, you see. We took them out of one room. And we brought them into this room. Yeah. And has a window. And the window. They can see the world. See the world. They got light. They're going to love it. They're going to be so happy. Hey, guys. Ah, this guy. Yeah, hey, what's up? Oh, uh, oh, Jason, look, we can see the world. Yeah, it's, it's uh, so we're, we're in here today. Yeah, we decided to move you in because you deserve to see some shit. <laughs> you know what? I don't even know what country I'm from anymore, mate. I don't think you knew to start, sir. <laughs> you won't take my chance and wipe off the cat shit. Hey, you listen to him. He's got it right. What are we even doing? Why do we still do this? Jason, we are literally billionaires. Yes. And, and we come to this shack I know. to record. I think maybe we just want to be back with our roots. You guys understand this is where real podcasting was born. This was a shack in 2000 and, oh, I don't know, 2003, Adam Curry, the father, you know him. I mean, I've heard of him. I used to listen to No Agenda when I was younger and stupider. Yeah, that guy. Uh, he flew his plane, you see. He got really high. He flew his plane. He landed in the backyard. He came to the shack, right? And he did his first podcast. Uh, let me tell you something about podcasts, okay? Yeah, you tell him. This is where it all started. Conan has a friend. Where was he when we needed one? Conan, we just, we always loved you and you abandoned us. <laughs> And you took over podcasting. You took all these people that have been podcasting for 15 years. And you said, you know what? I can do it better. And you, you know what? You do it pretty good, Conan. But you, fuck off. But fuck off, Conan. Fuck off. All right, people are freaking out. All right. All right get these guys out of here. Yeah, guys, you got to go. <laughs> Bernie for prime minister. I don't. I, I, don't I don't think that can happen. I mean, you'd have to live here a while. And he's pretty old. I don't think he could make it long enough. Not with that attitude, Jason. No, it's true. Maybe he'll never die. I'd like to think that Bernie Sanders will never die. He's that's, just too stubborn. That's the only way he's ever going to become president. But the president. problem is he's a good man, and uh, somehow he hasn't died young. To Mount Virginia, don't say way. I don't want to get sued. I was going to say, you're not going to get sued with that kind of approach to, yeah. was it Billy Joel, perhaps? Yeah, something like that. Okay. In, this, in, the, in the vein of Billy Joel. Well, I'm Brendan. 
Whoa! No, Whoa. I'm Brendan. I'm Brendan. Uh, I'm Jason. And Don't confuse. Welcome folks. to Billy Joel Cast. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan, Jason, Billy Joel. That's, That's right. why I did it. Rope you in. Hook them while they're young, mm-hmm. as they say. No, no I'm just pulling your leg, Brendan. I'm Jason. Oh, so I'm Jason? No. Oh, I'm Brendan. You're Brendan. You're Jason. I'm Jason. I'm Brendan. You're Brendan. I'm Jason. No. We Let's are. Start Let's start off. We are. I'm Brendan. Jason. I'm. <laughs> we are Brendan and Jason. We are Brendan and Jason, and this is a podcast called For Screen and Country. And what's it about? Well, we talk about British films. This is the worst intro we've ever done. We got to mix it up sometimes. You know, we can repeat ourselves. We get into that uh, counter uh, conversation of of you know that's repeated time and time again. But that's not what we're about on a Brit pick. Okay. I'm saying it right now, out of the gate, before I even do the thing. It's a Brit pick. This is a mess. Normally, what we do is we go through the British Film Institute's top 100 list of the 100 greatest British films of all time, as ordained by our Lord Jesus Christ in the year 1999, with the help of the board of the British Film Institute. But this week, that's not what we're doing. We are doing something called... Brit Picks! And on Bread Picks, we pick the movies, and you listen to us talk about the movies. So this week, it is Brendan's pick. Last week, Brendan, we did my pick. Kingsman the Secret Service. Kingsman the Secret Service, which I had not seen and was happy that I enjoyed so much, despite its Tory predilections. Mm. But this week, it's Brendan's choice. And Brendan, the movie that we're going to do this week is... American Beauty! Oh, I didn't watch that one. Oh, I mean, I did years ago, but it's been a while. I remember there was a bag, and there was Kevin Spacey, and he was fucking a teenage girl, you know I think. What? You know what? Nope. Nope. Um, nope. Let's just get right off All right, that. let's move uh, on. on, on those, we don't want to get keywords. <laughs> <laughs> Keyworded for those there. Um, you know, podtranscripts.net. Um, <laughs> no, we are talking about, I selected a 2011 sci-fi action comedy thriller. Um, it's called Attack the Block. The movie that introduced us to one young John Boyega. Yes, young John Boyega, who, of course, you all will know as Finn from the Star Wars films. And just a real fucking cool dude. The new ones. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. A dude who, like, almost, like, sacrificed almost his career to go out and be very public uh, in recent months. I hope it doesn't work out bad for him. I hope it actually turns in his favor. He was just up for a Golden Globe. Should be. He's a great actor. Yeah. The Golden Globes, by the way, the only legitimate award show. (laughs) That's right. The only people that matter, Brendan, are the Hollywood Foreign Press. Presided over by 86 old white men. (laughs) I think there's some some non-whites in there. No. No. It was revealed 86. I thought it was the Hollywood Foreign Press. You would, right? No. 86 white white people. I I think there might be some females, but they're all white. But if you can be Chadwick Boseman and win in that field, you're on the right path. Well, I mean, yes. Chad, Chadwick, don't get me a, wrong. Chadwick Boseman is wonderful. You have I'm a great saying, career ahead of you. If you die before you get before your an award is awarded, you do get a substantially increased chance. I'm not saying he didn't deserve the award. He probably did. I was going to say I have same seen, with the what's his face. Uh, I, I have Ledger. seen I have seen the movie that he's in, and, and it's, it's he's amazing. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Uh, Heath, my, Ledger, my, Heath Ledger, I think, also deserved it. You know, I don't think you hear what I'm saying, Brennan. What I'm saying is that you, the audience, if you're up for an award and you really want to win it, just die. That's all you got to do. It's like that Dana Carvey sketch. <laughs> Derek, what would really work for us is if you were dead. <laughs> Album sales would soar. Anyway, let's... This guy in his Saturday Night Live, you know, you think I'm bad with Star Trek. This guy with SNL, come on. 
So uh, we haven't started this podcast no, yet. No, why would we? <laughs> we're, we're, talking about, <laughs> we're talking about Attack the Block. Uh, Jason, you had never seen this movie before. Let no. Me, let me ask you a question. Sure. Any expectations going well, into this? Well, I knew that it was about a bunch of street toughs that fight aliens. That's basically the extent of it. Okay. I knew John Boyega was in it. I knew it was kind of his breakout movie. Uh, I knew it was British, so I was down for that. But that's literally all I knew about it. Okay. Um, the first time I saw this, I think it was... Was it for like a horror-themed month that I was doing? I don't know. It might have been. Either way, the first time I saw this, I knew absolutely nothing about it. I think I knew that John Boyega was in it, and that was it. I didn't even know there was an alien movie. So um, going into this completely fresh, um, I mean, I don't want to spoil and get to the end, but I was blown away by what I saw, and I just, it stuck with me. So that's one of the first things I thought of when we we decided to bring back the Brit picks. Yeah. John Boyega, the man, the myth, the legend. Here he is in his all his glory. Now, from, from how old... Sarasota, Florida. What? Give me a sec here. Hey, Google. No, I can tell you. Are you asking how old he is? Yeah, he's, how... he was eighteen. He was eighteen when he did it. Okay, because yes. he says he's fifteen in the movie. Yes, and he does look a little bit older than that. Um, but he looks older than eighteen too. Like he looks like an adult in this movie. I think that's. That might be part of a comment. Uh, unfortunately, for young black men, they are often perceived as older than white kids simply mm-hmm. because of their race. And, or uh, if you're a British white person, you're yeah. often perceived as much older well, uh, I, than you are. Yeah, well, absolutely. But I was that's one of the things that I noticed in this movie is that when he says he's 15, it is a bit of a shock because mm-hmm. you don't think that he's that young at all. Well, yeah, and the, again, yeah, uh, criticism maybe at um, people like maturing in those situations probably way too early, mm-hmm. right? Um, but we'll get there. We'll yeah, get we'll there. talk about that. We'll, we'll talk about this movie, Attack the Block, 2011. Mm. Um, I will run down some of the cast, but I mean, you're only going to know John Boyega and a couple others, I think. So we got John Boyega as Moses. That's his name in the movie. Mm. He is a member of a, a gang. I mean, they're not like a vicious gang. They're going well, around. Well, they pull a knife on a lady. But I don't think they ever intend to use violence on innocent people. Well, the threat of violence is more than enough, Brendan. I'm not saying they're good. I'm just saying, you know, they're not this, They're not like the Clockwork Orange gang. Put these ruffians in jail is what I'm saying. Oh, no. Get off the podcast, Winston Churchill. Goodbye. No, no. I'm Winston Churchill. I don't know who that twit was, but I'm Winston Churchill. And I would like to say that I have no comment on this film because I'm dead. Goodbye. Just like every I wonder other- which one he's in. Because hmm. I, I feel like he would hate Republicans from America, but he would also really not like the Irish. So I don't know where... He, maybe he's in the foyer. He Maybe he's... Oh, is Winston Churchill the fucking greeter in the foyer of heaven? Could be. Hello, welcome to heaven. Welcome to heaven. I'm Winston Churchill. You might remember me from the war. <laughs> uh, it's either Winston Churchill or Wilford Brimley. They switch shifts. Oh, oh yeah. Well, yeah. You gotta have that... Oh, man. Wouldn't it be so nice to die and come to heaven and there's... Welcome to heaven. I'm you, Wilford Brimley. You're Would you no like lo- a bowl of oatmeal? You no longer have to worry about diabetes. <laughs> no more. No, you remember when you were old? Now you can be young again. I think that's a cocoon reference. I've never seen it. As far as I know, uh, the, the young ones always die young. Is that right, Billy? That's right. Wait, Billy Joel, you're not dead. <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> well, God. Billy Joel's in and out. You know, he's, he's had so many close experiences. He's just been in and out. So going through the rest <laughs> of this cast... <laughs> We have uh, Jodie Whittaker, who plays yes! Samantha. Okay, so throughout this entire movie, Brendan, yeah. I was like, who's this woman? I know who she is. She's Doctor fucking who, of course. Why would I not know that? The current one? Yes. 
wait a second, Doctor Who is a woman? I know. Who'd have thunk it? But they they broke that barrier. They broke that ceiling. And uh, I like Jodie Whittaker a lot. She's really fun. There you go. Um, rounding out some of the some of John Boyega's uh, cohorts, cohorts. Comrades? We have uh, Alex Esmail as Pest, uh, Franz Franz Drame as Dennis, Leon James as Jerome, Simon Howard as Biggs. And of course, um, the last couple people I want to mention is Luke Treadaway as Bruis, a guy who is stoned throughout the entire <laughs> film. And of course, our friend, we haven't talked about him on this podcast, but our friend, Nick Frost. Nick Frost, we love him. Plays Ron, a local drug dealer. As I said to Brendan earlier, if you took Brendan and you beat him to death with a baseball bat, well, didn't beat him to death, didn't kill him, beat his face in with a baseball bat and then let him heal, about six months after that, he'd look like Nick Frost. You know, I had Nick Frost set up for an interview next week, and now it looks like... <laughs> uh, sorry. Also, want to talk about Luke Treadaway for a sec. Okay. First off, in this movie, I feel like he's doing a Hugh Grant. It's great, mm-hmm. but he's very Hugh Granty. Okay. And when I'm watching this, I'm looking at this dude, and I'm thinking, I know who he is. I recognize him. I don't know where I know him from. Sorry, when you said Hugh Granny, I just thought about Hugh Grant playing a granny. Oh, and made please. made me laugh. Please, Hugh. Hugh, if you're listening, please do that. I want to see a movie where you play somebody's grandmother. But, <laughs> so Luke Treadaway, I, I, I'm looking at this guy's face. He looks very familiar. I know I've seen him in something recently. Nanny McPhee starring Hugh Grant. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The reboot we've always wanted. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. Luke Treadaway. Yes. So I look through his filmography, don't recognize anything. Okay. Turns out, though, Luke Treadaway has a twin brother, an identical twin brother named Harry Treadaway. And Harry Treadaway, try that again. And Harry Treadaway played the Romulan Narek in the most recent Star Trek show, uh, Star Trek Picard. Wow, that is a that is quite a journey. It was there. a long way to go and a short time to get there, but we got there. And and yeah, they are identical. So I could I, his face looks so familiar. But yeah, it was because it was his brother. Okay. Yeah. I wonder why they you know okay they were probably too young, but they probably should have hired those dudes to play the Winklevoss twins since they're actual twins. Why would you give Army Hammer a single paycheck when you could give two working actors two paychecks? It's fucking horseshit. I mean, talk if, about cultural appropriation. The culture of the twins. You mean actual cannibal Army Hammer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the new actual cannibal. Um, <laughs> the, well, I mean, if the six day has taught me anything, it's that if you play two roles, you could potentially get two paychecks. Yes, folks, that was a six-day reference here on For Screen and Country. <laughs> Courtesy of Brennan and the madness that is his other podcast. Yeah, and just, like, movies that I just watch. You just watch the six-day just for fun? No, I, that was that was for a reason. Yeah. Not the Banana Splits movie, though. Yeah, I watched you've that never seen the six-day before. No. Hmm. Now, how is the six-day relevant to this, this movie? It's not, so let's get back to it. <laughs> <laughs> no aliens in the six-day? No. Okay. No. Um, but... Uh, Dolls that are really creepy. Oh. Um, that are supposed to be for children. Anyway, go listen to that on another, another Are they podcast. for sex? <laughs> no, but Michael Rapport does fuck a virtual girlfriend. Ooh, that's not somebody I want to see fuck anybody. No, you don't. It's PG-13. We need to get on track. Fucking gingers, man. We talked right. about the cast in this movie. Jason could say that because he is. I am a ginger. Thank you. Um, we talked about the cast in this movie. So this movie, what this movie is about is it's pretty basic. It's essentially an alien invasion in a block... A certain like you know neighborhood block in London, mm. uh, majority of uh, majority black people that live there in this block. Um, that, well, we meet our uh, we meet our what we think is our hero at first. The way the film frames it is, you think that um, 
you think that uh, Jodie Whittaker is going to be the the lead, right? Because we start with her. Yeah. We see her get mugged by like a gang of people, and they're not all black. I'm not saying that. There's like you know, there's some white. Mostly black. It's mostly black. It's a it's a heavy heavy black neighborhood, and I'm stressing this because the movie does comment on yes this stuff a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but anyway, she's mugged. And in the middle of this kind of mugging, um, I, I, it seems like a firework just crashes into a car. And they find out these are aliens and they're all over town. Yeah, this this, does, this isn't like a firework just exploding. This is a fucking like meteor that comes down yeah. and just slams into a car, crashes through the roof of it, leaves a hole. And because a creature of, emerges. Because at the same time, we see that people somewhere are launching fireworks up into the air. Now, let's be clear. This creature, Brendan, is the size of about a, a good-sized dog. This is not War of the Worlds. There's not a tripod that comes out of the crown. This is just this weird little dog-looking creature that if any of you out there have played Half-Life, uh, in the original Half-Life, the, the kind of like weird dog-like creatures remind me of this thing a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it, it said it said in the film that it moves like a gorilla. Hmm. Um, and to me, it looks like the outline. Well, like this silu- first one they find is a little bit different. Yeah, but but it looks to me like the silhouette of a critter. Hmm. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> From critters. So anyways, this, this yeah, you, so this, this alien shows up, and of course, they're a bunch of kids, so what do they do? They want to kill it. <laughs> because it, yeah. it attacks uh, it attacks Moses right at the gate and he immediately is like well I gotta kill this thing. and he has this like scar in his face for yeah, this yeah, it's like yeah. fucking it, cool scar yeah fucking cool scar yeah so they like they like follow it into like a, a shed and then we see the outside of the shed as they just beat the fuck out of this thing and kill it and then drag it home as a trophy <laughs> And, and I love the idea they're just dragging an alien down the street. <laughs> yeah, they've got it on. He's got it on his back like a fucking knapsack. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe we should listen to a clip of the, the this scene because it really kind of establishes in a like it really we, like does a really good job of establishing the camaraderie between these guys mm. um, and they're like their gang or whatever. Um, let's let's take a listen. You know what that is? I'll tell you what that is. That's an alien, bro. Believe it. Must have come from outer space trying to take over the Earth, innit? When I landed in the wrong place, though, you get the wrong place. <laughs> Welcome to London, motherfucker. Welcome to the ends, brother. This is the block, fam. Nobody fucks with the block, do you get me? The B-L-O-C-K. Wow, that went off without a hitch. <laughs> Here we are, 15 minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so then you get the sense of their camaraderie right mm. away, right? The, the sense of their um, because I mean, in this movie, you kind of you kind of get the idea if you didn't know anything about going in because I didn't know who the bad guys were, I didn't know there were gangs or whatever, right? So I'm thinking like, oh, okay, it's another movie where we're like demonizing urban youth mm. and having them be like these gangsters, and this woman we're gonna follow her all around town as she tries to escape the aliens, and maybe eventually they're gonna work together, but ultimately our sympathy is gonna be with the woman. Yeah. It's, Not, de- it's Death Wish, but with Jodie Whittaker. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, uh, okay, whatever. Um, but not the case. No. They do a nice little 180 where the movie starts where she's like walking around. It's kind of like a horror movie because mm. you're kind of like, oh, what's lurking around the corner? Yeah. And then those guys come around the corner that are, are you know, our gang and they, they, you know, mug her and take her uh, ring and everything. But then the movie does a complete 180 because suddenly we're like with them trying to hunt these aliens, right? Yeah, uh, they kind of, and part of it too actually is later on when they realize that she lives in the same uh, uh, council estate that they live in. It's like, oh, we wouldn't have attacked you if we knew you were from the block, which is not a great, you know, justification, but. uh, Well, she even calls him on that because she's like, wait, so you you wouldn't have, so you would have attacked me if I wasn't from here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What I find interesting about this too is, especially this scene, is hearing their kind of back and forth, the way they talk to each other. 
what I love about this movie is how authentic these kids feel. They yeah. feel like a group of teenage boys. They've got all the confidence in the world. They talk shit to each other. And, you know, where adults in this movie, even older people in this movie, have trouble, like, even, like, coming to terms with the fact that there's aliens around, these guys just go with it from the start. It's because they're young. They've got those kids' minds. They're just like, okay, so it's aliens. So what do we got to do? We got to fucking kill them. Well, that, we want to kill them. That's I like that, too, because in, in a typical movie like this, with, like, an alien invasion, you have those moments of people being like... Oh my god! And they're being scared. You know, half the movie is them like hiding and cowering, and then the you know the other half is like them fighting back. This movie immediately is like, no, no, fuck these guys. Exactly, because they, they they kill one right out of the gate, so that gets their confidence up. And then they're a bunch of teenage boys. They're gang. They're, you know, they're in this gang. They fucking rob people. They've got all the bravado in the world. It's yeah, of course we're gonna go. Out. They have the same fantasy that many people that live in like zombie movies have, where it's like I want to be able to kill without any consequence. It's also funny you mentioned, too, about how this is, feels so genuine. The director of this movie, uh, Joe Cornish, mm. he actually went to um, – he actually interviewed a bunch of different kids in, in youth groups and asked them, point blank, if there was an alien – if there was a real alien invasion in your mm. town, what weapons would you use? Yeah. Like, what would be your weapon of choice? And, exactly. And it was to find that out, but also to kind of get, like, an ex- uh, like an idea of their personalities. Yes. Um, which I think bleeds into the this idea of all these characters feeling genuine. I feel like – now, I don't know this. I didn't look it up uh, per se, but I feel like some of these actors had to be – either living in or have lived in these similar environments. Yeah, they certainly had the accents down, bruv. Oh, yeah, I had the <laughs> subtitles on, trust me. These accents are thick. I was raw-dogging it. No subtitles for me. <laughs> he also, um, uh, Joe Cornish also wanted to uh, uh, counter this trend of, like, hoodie horror films. Mm. Like, you know, with all these guys like a scary hoodie or a mask yeah. um, and kind of turn it on its head. And he, cause he felt that they kind of demonized like urban youth. Right. Absolutely. Um, and just a, a quick note, we'll talk about, uh, we'll talk about Brewis obviously, but Joe Cornish said Brewis is basically him in his twenties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the rich kid who's getting stoned all the time. <laughs> yeah. Who has one of my favorite scenes in this entire movie uh, is when he's just like lumbering through the halls he sees this guy come out, uh, come out of an elevator with just like a shit ton of blood. Mm. Gets into another elevator, other elevator. All these other guys come. Uh, the gang all squeeze in, and they're talking about aliens. And he, at one point, he's just like, "Guys, I'm so fucking high. What's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that'd be my reaction. I think if I was in that situation. Oh, absolutely, like, absolutely. There's so much happening right now. Oh Christ. <laughs> I don't know if this... So, yeah, you talk about their weapons. I thought that was interesting because, you know, they've got a baseball bat. Super soakers. Those little kids. The little kid has a super soaker and a cap gun. Yeah. Uh, uh, But the one that gets me is the... So, I don't remember what his name is, but he's the dude that has the scooter. Okay. He has a katana. (laughs) Of course he does. Because he goes... And and this is one of the things about this movie, too, is that these guys aren't just hood toughs. We get... They get humanized. They're kind of um, nerds. Some of them are nerds. Some of them are kind of nerds. And but then but the moment of humanization kind of across the board is when they all run home to get weapons. Yeah. <laughs> and dude runs in and he like he has three katanas on the wall, like mounted like any sort of fucking weeb would, and he grabs one and he takes it. Uh, and then he gets he goes back and grabs another one, or grabs the bigger one. Yeah. Um and I'm wondering if he specifically is an anime nerd because he grabs a katana, number one. He's riding on a red scooter, and he and he's riding on that red scooter with the katana up. It was giving me real like Akira vibes, like which I, I know you haven't seen, but is one of the great uh, animes from the late '80s. And Akira similarly is you know wears drives a red motorcycle and has a katana and a helmet and everything, and it really called back to that for me. 
Well, there's another part of that too because there's a there's a line where John Boyega says to him, uh, "Go home and watch Naruto." Yeah, exactly. So I mean, that ties into that too, right? Um, <laughs> I thought he said that, or did he? Didn't he say that to the kids, the little kids? Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, either way, yes, another anime reference for sure. I want to say too that actually that genuine, um, or that that humanizing moment rather uh, comes even even earlier for me. I think it's the scene where they're they they've just mugged this lady. They've killed that alien. They're looking. They're on the lookout for the other aliens, mm. and they're some of them are call, just calling their mom. Yeah. I was like, yeah, mom, I'm going to be out. Yes, I'll be home by 10. Like, it yes. makes... And then you're like, well, holy shit, these are kids. Is that Briggs or Biggs, that guy? Yeah. The dude with the fro that spends most of the movie in a in a bin? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it makes you realize, right? You're like, holy shit, these are kids. These are children. Like, John Boyega's playing a character who's 15 years yeah. old. That's a that's a young, young child. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. We, we forget that sometimes. But yeah, those are kids. And they're reacting exactly how teenagers in that position, I imagine, would react. They're just ready to go. I was also kind of surprised that, you know, some of them were picked off. Yeah. Some of them were yeah, picked off. I was surprised that they killed a couple of them. Because, I mean, they're kids. They are kids. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about the aliens. Oh yeah. Well, we just we describe them what they kind of look like. Yeah, they're. I'll have to show you a clip uh, uh, here in a minute, uh, Brendan. But these aliens are straight re- reminiscent of a game from the early '90s called Out of This World. Okay. Which was a early interplay kind of cinematic platformer type thing, and it had aliens in in the, or it had a monster in that that was very similar. Where it was kind of this hulking thing. It was kind of skinny, but also like big at the same time. And it had these hulking arms on the front of it and a mouth, but no eyes. You, it, 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 blacker than black. How much more black could this creature be, Brandon? And the answer is none. None more black. None more black. Which brings me to this clip, Jason, because this is, we talk about what the creatures look like. Let's listen to our, uh, our, our characters describe what these creatures look like. See? Is that a dog? No. No. That is not a dog. That's black. Too black to see. That's the blackest black ever, fam. That's blacker than my cousin Femi. Yeah, so they d- interestingly, they describe it, that's as black as black can be. That's blacker than my... My cousin, cousin. Femi. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, so this is a long shot, but I'm going for it. There is a stereotype, a horrible stereotype. It's like, you know, that old joke, it's like, I don't know, probably right out of the 50s where it's like, hey, just get a guy to smile in the dark and you'll know he's a black guy. Mm. That kind of thing, right? You think that's an indirect I reference? I <laughs> feel like this creature's kind of a shot at that because it, it, this movie deals heavily with race yeah. uh, issues, but the character, the design of the character seems to me like a stereotype mm. because it is all black. Yeah. The teeth are the only things we see when they're because they're like glowing. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the rest of it, whatever. But that just describes to me a horrible stereotype. Could be, and and that interestingly is is the counterpoint to that is when John Boyega, who is you know Moses, is is a understandably cynical character, and he says like, you know, this is probably the government that's doing this. They you know they they sent in crack to kill us. They sent in the police, and now they're going to kill all the black boys with these fucking aliens. Let's take a listen to that scene too. No, I reckon yeah, I reckon the Fed sent them anyway government probably bred those creatures to kill black boys first they sent drugs to the ends then they sent guns now they sent monsters to get us they don't care man we ain't killing each other fast enough so they decided to speed up the process so that that's some that's some shit right there um that goes into the whole thing about the about you know the spread of crack 
mm. in in black communities. Jason, do you know do you know a lot about that? About like the well, I, I know that there's the idea that the government helped spread that for that reason. I don't know what the truth of that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, yeah, I mean, it's clear that that was a, a substance that very directly affected that community. Yeah, exactly, and they and they felt they were because, targeted. And, and that's the thing is that you have people that are kind of overall like because of their position, lower income. This is a treat cheaper drug. Like it's like it, you don't hear about white you don't hear about white people getting arrested for crack because they could afford to buy cocaine. If you want evidence of that, listen to the Whitney Houston interview where mm. she says, "Crack, I'm too rich to buy crack." Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's what she was offended by, just yeah. the money. <laughs> but anyway, um, but yeah, no, that's the, the – um, neither of us are with a point of view to elegantly, uh, mm. eliquently explain no. the, the – the, I don't want to say conspiracy, but you know, yeah. like the, the, the idea behind this whole conversation. Yeah. But it is an interesting thing to introduce because then we think about – then we think about the crack epidemic. We think about like, oh – well, you know, mm. he might not be wrong. <laughs> well, that's it. And and given the the way the system has kind of oppressed people of color for so long that it's it's understandable that people would have these what, what if it's if it's real or if it's not, I can understand why you would come up with that or why that might seem cuz yeah, it's like this government's been fucking you over. Why not? Why wouldn't they introduce a fucking drug in there to screw your community over? Yeah, why wouldn't they do this other thing if they're going to willing to do this thing? Why wouldn't they yeah. do this thing? Yeah. And uh, it's nice that the movie kind of takes a an approach to this stuff because it could easily have not it could have easily been a very like an even more straightforward kind of action horror type comedy it could have been black exploitation yeah well jesus honestly <laughs> i mean it yes it could have gone down that road or for or sure. or even like if we're not saying like full-on you know black exploitation it could have just been um a, a fun little horror movie in the hood it could have been a guy richie gangster take on it it could have been you know without any and nothing against Guy Ritchie, but just like, you know, Guy Ritchie's not really a guy that delves into like heavy issues in his movies. No, but he prompts discussion of those. Certainly does. <laughs> Certainly does. See our episode on The Gentleman. Mm-hmm. But it, let's, let's talk about John Boyega mm-hmm. as well, because this is his this is his breakthrough. Yeah. I, I, I th- it might be his first role, his first major I think role. it's his feature film debut anyways. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he explodes under the scene. You mentioned oh. everyone being genuine, and he... Especially feels genuine. He yeah. never feels like he's acting. He never feels like he's trying to like draw attention to no. himself. No, and he's playing this character that you know you look at and think, "Oh, this guy's a thug," but he's not. He's not just that. Like he's not a two dimensional representation. He's not a cartoon character. He's got depth to him. He seems like he's not stupid. You know, he's he's, and he does ultimately want, I think, what's best for everybody. But also, he's in a fight for survival too. I mean, he's from a you know he doesn't really have parents. He has an uncle that. Live, he lives with that he kind of is in and out yeah we don't, i don't think we ever see him no we don't and the, the way the movie explains that too is another aspect of this movie that i really like is that nothing feels heavy-handed no it's just kind of, he's just kind of like yeah sometimes he's there sometimes he's not and then we move away from that scene yeah, it, it, we, we don't have a will smith style fucking like why don't he love me you know kind of speech <laughs> we don't have that we don't need it because that's not what this is about by the way anytime i hear will smith speech all i can think of all i can think of is uh, his performance in concussion when he says, tell the truth, tell the truth. It was in every trailer and I, I, I laughed hard every time. You thought his Nigerian accent was good? 
Sure. I think it's Nigerian. I hope I'm not just Well, I just, I just, it's one of those, like, you know, you watch a trailer for a movie that's clearly headed to the Oscars mm-hmm. and they do that, like, it's the Oscar clip of the trailer, right? That's the Oscar clip to me. That's like, he's, tears are forming in his eyes. He's like, tell the truth. Tell the truth. I wonder about that movie. That movie kind of, did you ever hear, what's, what's that FIFA movie? Oh. You know what I'm talking about? The one United. that was United Passions? Yeah, is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think of that. Like, did the NFL help fund that movie? <laughs> Uh, concussion? No. Okay. <laughs> no. It goes hard on them. Oh, it goes hard on them. Okay, um, good. it's pretty good from what I remember. Okay. Will Smith was good in it. Anyway, we're not talking about concussion. Will Smith's great though, so check him out if you haven't. Yeah, classic British actor. Um, <laughs> uh, just like John Boyega. <laughs> um, but yeah, so again, yeah, Boyega is it makes an immediate impact. Yeah, I mean, right out of the gate, he's he's great. I mean, I'm sure natural he's, charisma. I'm sure it's not the first thing he's ever acted in, but no. like he clearly had uh, gotten to a point where his talent was was good. And then yeah, and then that transfer is great to Star Wars, and he's one of the best characters in that trilogy. He is. He does kind of get done dirty at the end of it. But. Yeah, I mean that 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 whole that whole franchise, unfortunately, has kind of soured him on Hollywood for the most part. And it's a shame because there was so much potential with with that character, and he was yeah, great in and it. they and the first two movies built that up perfectly, and then the third one went. That's why if you're going to do... Okay. Confidential to Disney. If you're going to do a Star Wars trilogy in the future, hire one director for all three. Just straight up. Because if nothing else, we'll get consistency. Or... Do like the original trilogy and have someone overseeing the whole thing. Yeah, have a have a can I have different directors because uh, the original trilogy had different directors and George Lucas was producing everything. And look, just straight up, the only guy over there that seems to know what they're doing, guy or lady that seems to know what they're doing, is John Favreau. So you know, maybe let John Favreau. I think I, I like Ryan Johnson. I'm not gonna Ryan lie. Johnson's good too. Maybe yeah, let, let let John and Ryan and and Dave Filoni get together and put their heads together and come up. Ryan, with Ryan cool. Johnson's got a new Star Wars trilogy. Apparently, it's gonna happen. I'm excited to see that. I hope it's. Uh, I, I heard tell of an old Republic trilogy, possibly. I wonder if maybe he'd have something to do with that. I think he wants to get as far removed from and do his own thing as much yeah, as possible. And I, I absolutely want to see that. I want to see him take his approach to it because we need new voices in the Star Wars, and we've seen it with with Favreau and stuff. But this isn't a Star Wars. No, I love how John Boyega in this movie just triggers a huge Star triggers Wars. Star Wars. Sorry, John. I know. I know you're more than just Star Wars, and, and clearly we see it in this movie, and more than meets the eye. He's a transformer. He might be. Oh, what does he transform into? I hope he transforms into a Corvette. Um, uh, director Michael Bay. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> no, he only transforms when he gets nervous. Mm. Mm. You're I uh, okay. The the prompter's not working. I guess I'll just wing it. That's my favorite <laughs> Michael Bay quote. <laughs> I uh, I, I I can't do this. <laughs> what was he doing that he needed a prompter for? He's a director. A very unsafe one, apparently, according to recent social media clips. <coughs> anyway, 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 anyway. Attack anyway, the block attack the deserves block. our attention because it's a great movie. It is great. Now, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> what's another big thing you want to discuss, Jason? Oh, Actually, continuing on from the race thing, because yeah. there's a little bit, there's a, there, it's just like an offline, mm. but it just, it makes me think of like, it's a little shot at like white privilege, um, because they're, so eventually Samantha and the gang, they all end up together, you know, for survival and they're hiding in the apartments. And she mentions something about how she has a boyfriend because one of the guys starts hitting on her yeah. and she's like, I have a boyfriend. <laughs> These fucking teenagers are just hitting on her. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and she's, and she says something along the lines. He's, he's like, Oh, where's your boyfriend now? And she's like, well, he's in Ghana working for the red cross, um, you know, helping out, you know, with the red cross. And then one of the other kids says the white kid. 
She says that to the white kid, yeah. But doesn't he? Isn't he the one that says, "Shouldn't she be in Britain helping British children?" Is it the white kid that says that? Oh, maybe not. Okay, I don't know. And one of the kids says, um, "Yeah, why? Why isn't he in Britain?" Oh, you know, not not, not a nice enough suntan. <laughs> um, which I, I, it goes into uh, one of the critiques I've heard before, where like you know when you have people doing stuff overseas, it's like, are you doing that or are you doing that for the credit? Like, are you doing that for the look that it gives you as a as a you know. And, uh, what is it called? What's the word I'm looking for? As like a, as like a nice guy, a philanthropist. Philanthropist, uh, thank you. As like a philanthropist, it gives yeah. you. It, not only do you get to look like a philanthropist, but you also get to go and have a nice tan sure. and have a great vacation. And there's the argument made too that no, that you, by going to a different country, you're helping people that are less fortunate. Well, certainly there sure. are people in Britain that need help. Britain is a first world country, as is Canada, as is the United States, and it's different in a place like Ghana or or you know Burkina Faso or mm-hmm. a country that is much poorer. I'm thinking of like if I saw like a picture of like a Paris Hilton with like a like a like a child like sitting on her on her shoulder or something. I'd be like, I don't know how much of that is genuine. I'd like to think that she's nice, but I don't know. I don't think so. Paris, at us on Twitter. Are you nice? Don't be a coward, Paris. Come on our podcast and talk about a movie. With she's us. got a podcast right now. Well, then come on our podcast. Yeah, Paris. Paris. We'll talk. We'll talk about an American in Paris. American. Oh, not an American werewolf in Paris? No, just an American in Paris. I think that's a movie. Yeah, thank God we're not talking about the other one. <laughs> not a good film. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, uh, sorry. You, did you have something you wanted to... Uh, well... Well, we, we didn't really talk about Nick Frost in this yes, movie. Yes, well, yes, let's talk about him. Uh, so he's like the local like uh, bigwig, I guess, the drug drug guy. Well, he's not of. the big bigwig no. because we meet the big... We haven't talked about him yet either, but Nick Frost is like is a drug dealer. He's a drug dealer. He has the penthouse at the top of the council estate, so he's got that going for him. That, yeah. That, uh, I guess, increases his uh, uh, stature simply because he's on top. He also has a weed room, and uh, he's working with uh, another guy whose name escapes me. Um, Bruzy, Bruzy. We actually, you know what? I want to listen to a scene between him and Bruzy because they're. I mean, this is kind of a comedy, sort of, but they yeah. are the comic relief. They're the most outwardly funny characters. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. They're and there, this is when this is after the boys have uh, killed this first alien and delivered it to yeah. this place, and they're just Nick Frost, uh, Ron, and Bruzy are just kind of staring at it. Oh, bloody clue. Maybe there was. A party at the zoo, and a monkey fucked a fish. I saw them with it on the way up. I thought it was something with one of the funfair. Smells real though, didn't it? it? Smells like a shit did a shit. <laughs> you want to buy a bit of weed then? Yeah. yeah. That's so fucking. That's so fucking real too. The the no matter what happens, it's just like, oh, do you want to buy some weed? Well, yeah, that's why I'm here. <laughs> and 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 again, like this is this is very much a realistic drug dealer's place. You go over, you buy your weed. Everybody's sitting around. You smoke some of the weed with the dealer before you go. Like it's a whole social occasion. It's it's all very authentic. I mean, keep in mind though, the people that are smoking weed in this movie are definitely under eighteen. Oh yeah, no, they're like all fifteen and sixteen. Yeah, like. <laughs> yeah. Nick Frost. Great in Edgar Wright films. Absolutely. Great in everything. Great in this. Mm-hmm. You are a noble scholar. We salute you, sir. Yeah. For 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 normal looking dudes everywhere, we salute you. <laughs> um Yeah, and, and like it's I mentioned that it's I was surprised that some of the kids are getting killed off, like some of the teenagers. Mm. Um but I was also over, surprised overall by like the low body count, though. Honestly, when you get down to it, 
Yeah, I, I, it was one of those things. Like, I was this movie rated R? I assume it was R. Oh yeah. Oh, they say fuck blood. like every yeah. second word. Yeah. Because um, this, this movie had it, it, almost. In fact, I will compare it to, to last week's film, Kingsman. It, and this movie kind of threw me off because I got the sense like this movie really looks like it was based on a comic book. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was. No, I don't think. But so. it has the look of that. Like the the colors are very bright and stark. Like the everybody kind of has their like. Uh, silhouette, their uh, their color scheme, like Moses. I'm thinking Moses specifically with the black hat with the red brim. Like that's clearly what helps define who he is as mm-hmm. far as a character. I mean, his name is Moses. Yeah, Moses. That's pretty cool. He's, he's pretty he's, much like hey, aliens. Let my people go, right? Yeah. So I was a little shocked going into it because I guess again the violence was a little more than I expected. Same with Kingsman. Like I thought this was more like kind of PG thirteen. But this kind of eased you into it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 pretty brutal, and and Moses, of course, gets arrested at one point too, because they don't seem to know the police that there's an alien invasion going on. They haven't figured that out yet. So yeah, and of course, Jodie Whittaker had reported him to the police and mentioned that hat with the red brim, and so they finally notice them and they chase them down. And of course, Moses' bike breaks and he gets arrested, and that's when we get to uh, where we first actually get to see the aliens at their full strength, as it were. Yes, and that also begins, um, this movie has a pretty sharp critique of the police mm. um, throughout. I mean, obviously, we hear this kid saying, like, you know, fuck the police, yeah. obviously. <laughs> but we also see their kind of their competence, too. And not at, like, a cartoony level, no. but at a level that's, like, it's do, it's just doing a solid job at satirizing now, that. Especially, we're, we'll talk about it. Now, don't bit. get me wrong. I, hold on, I just want to say that we'll talk about it a little later, but the ending especially. Now, don't get me wrong. When they arrest Moses, it's all legit. Mm-hmm. He did all the things that they're, like, arresting him for. Sure. So let's just keep that clear, too. Of course. But, uh, um, yeah, they, they, they get him in the van and stuff, and then the aliens attack and murder these two police officers. And, of course, now Moses is obviously concerned that now that's on him. <laughs> they're going to think he did it. Um, but so they, they get in, they get the van going. Uh, it's Jodie Whittaker and... Uh, and uh, um, well, actually, it's, it's not Jodie Whittaker. Jodie Whittaker's in the van, too, but she's not locked up in it. He's yeah. locked up in it. Um, the dude on the scooter comes down, gets into the, you know, gets through the aliens, gets in there, and the other boys throw a firework down, scare off the aliens, and they fucking get the van going and get out of there. <laughs> then they crash in to Bruzy. Is that not Bruzy? Um, what's the other guy's name? The oh yeah. So we'll talk again. We'll talk about like we mentioned that Nick Frost is the drug dealer, yes. but Hi Hat is the scary. Uh, drug lord, like I would say, he's the guy that he he multiple times says this is his block. Yeah. So so when they crash into him, um, they have this little standoff. Bad creatures chasing us, big aliens, gorilla wolf motherfuckers. I swear, some creature fell from out of space and jumped Moses, so we bought it. And now his prejudice have come down in force blood. Then Moses got shifted by the feds, and then things attacked the bully van and savaged the bluefoot, so we jacked the van. We're running for our lives now, cause believe. Jack a booty van. Crash it into my whip. Then chat shit about aliens to me. This is making me nervous, blood. That boy stole cough, you know. Police are gonna be all over this. He's trying to snake me. <laughs> what? You wanna bring arms to me now? You wanna merc me? You wanna war with me? Listen to me, cuz. I'm not even lying. If we was making it up, don't you think we'd make up something a bit better than aliens? Say that word one more time. I told you, bruv. On the roof if you don't believe me. What? What's on the roof? One of them... Say it. One of them big gorilla wolf motherfuckers. 
I also love the fact that they call them the uh, big gorilla wolf motherfuckers yes. for most of the movie. <laughs> but yeah, and, that that guy is like, but he's almost like parody level, right? Mm. Is he? You think that it's conscious? He, he, he's a bit extreme for sure. He's pretty crazy. Because everything seems pretty genuine. But he's also too representative of, again, what I was saying earlier about like the kids accept this immediately. He doesn't because he's no. older and he's an adult, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. this sounds fucking insane to him that these young kids are coming up to him and being like, yeah, there's aliens, bruv. And he's like, what? What? What are you trying to even do to me? And he gets to be like uh, pretty tough. Like he gets to survive an elevator attack at one point, mm-hmm. and then later on he dies a uh, Colonel Rhodes death uh, from Day of the Dead. He yep. gets ripped apart <laughs> because he's being an asshole. He wants to kill them, and he doesn't notice the aliens behind him. And then they all run away, and the aliens eat him. They rip his face. They rip his fucking face off. They rip his face off. It's like it's like some Day of the Dead shit. It's uh, or Dawn of the Dead or whatever of the Dead. You Day of the prefer, Dead, uh, Night of the Living Dead. Um, Get out! Uh, of here. What's the other one? Land of the Dead. By the way, you were t- <laughs> that's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, you were talking about the um, you know that uh, this isn't based on like a book or anything like that or source material. The source material for this movie was that Joe Cornish got mugged one night, and um, and he just added this like science fiction oh. angle into the plot. I thought you were gonna say he got mugged and then had to fight some aliens with the muggers. No, unfortunately oh. not. That's a shame. Um, I also want to mention too, cause this movie is set in a fictional neighborhood. Oh. Um, the name of the neighborhood is not real. Uh, it's supposed to, it's said to be, uh, the, the London district of Brixton. So it's actually a composite, uh, a composite composite, composite. of, uh, count, various council estates across London. Actually, um, Joe Cornish said, we wanted to stamp a clear layout on the audience's minds early. And since we couldn't afford to show an aerial shot of the estate as it doesn't exist, the way to show it was by showing this top shot of the map at the very beginning of the film. Okay. Cool. So that yeah, there you go. He's a liar and a director. <laughs> One big scene I want to point out too is the scene that's like in the in the fog. The I think it's because all the fire extinguishers have gone off or something. What what is that scene? They're in the apartment. They're all walking through, and it's very hazy. Oh yeah. Did they maybe set off some fireworks? I think, I think so. Yeah. 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 Setting yeah. off fireworks. So yeah, it's very smoky and and yeah. Uh, that scene stands out for me because it's like um, it reminds me of like the mist or uh, like okay it's crazy I know but the scene reminded me of Boogie Nights and the reason it reminded me of Boogie Nights is because there's tension mm. and then every so often you hear the fire another firecracker going off and all I could think of was that scene in Boogie <laughs> Nights where they're in like the um, Alfred Molina's house Alfred Molina's house and the Chinese guy is just throwing firecrackers Sister outside Christian know the time has Guys, come you want to study like a scene isolated by itself as a great scene watch that scene in That's Boogie Nights it's one great. of the best scenes I've everything ever seen. in that scene the acting the use of the soundtrack with that song the guy throwing the fireworks like everything is great yeah so that just um, to me that just creates a lot of a lot of tension. Uh, you don't really know what's going to happen. Should we talk about the kids? We didn't really talk about the kids. It was like Probs and Mayhem. Is that their names? They're, I guess, um, going to end up like <laughs> what our main characters are if they continue down that path. Um, but they kind of get shit done eventually, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> that super soaker, they never say what it's filled with, but I'm pretty sure it's piss. I thought it, I just thought it was gasoline. Oh. Because then they light that dude on fire. Oh, okay. So maybe it is gas. Maybe yeah. I missed that part. <laughs> Walked out of the room. Um, oh, I also just want to talk a little bit too about the about the uh, the creatures themselves because the director um, had them had basically uh, two men in gorilla like suits with animatronic jaws, 
And then in post production, all they did was add like the spiky fur mm-hmm. and the claws and and some of the rows of the extra rows of jaws and a little bit of their movement. So it's a mix of practical and digital, and I think I think it works out pretty well. Yeah, no, they look great. They look great, and and then partly it helps that they're so black because you can't really see the detail of them, so it makes them even easier, I suppose, to render. Yeah, and they're yeah they're um they're also like they're 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 more they're simplistic, right? It's not these these science fiction films. I feel a lot of times you have these creatures that are over designed, mm-hmm. you know, just for the sake of oh look at what we can do. These creatures feel a lot more. Uh, I mean, it's weird to say grounded, but they feel more grounded. <laughs> also, apparently, the noise made by the creatures was a combination of dolphin sonar mixed digitally with the grunts and snarls of like dozens of animals mm-hmm. and a woman screaming. Yeah. And they put all that together: dolphin sonar, grunts of animals, a woman screaming. That's a good combination. That calls back to like the how they built sound effects for Star Wars, like for the um, back to Star Wars again, but like for the Tie Fighter and stuff, using yeah. different things. And the puppet, the, the, the alien at the beginning that they kill, it is a puppet. And apparently it terrified the cast because they didn't know that they were, it wasn't going to be in effect <laughs> until the last minute. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, let's get, let's get to the ending. Sure. The ending of the film, Jason. The ending of the film. Yes. John Boyega realizes that um, the aliens are attracted to the scent. I think they're attracted to the scent of the first one he killed, right? Because it's like on him. Mm-hmm. And so he uses that to run through the apartment block, lures all these aliens over, and kills them. It has some has has um, Jodie Whittaker go in and turn on the gas first, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't look at her, they don't give her a sideways look because she doesn't smell like them. No. And she turns on the gas. He goes. He lures them over. Shoots that firecracker. Boom! Boom! Blows, blows them the fuck up. out. And, and then think, he flies oh, out and and gonna be a hero. He's gonna be a hero. Well, he gets shot out of the apartment, but manages to hold on to a Union Jack flag, which is pretty down. Rich. My immediate thought was though, I, I, nationalism is different in the rest of the world than in the United States. And somebody having a British flag out their apartment, I'm wondering if John Boyega would really want to climb into their apartment. But you know what? He's alive, so he wins. He does until he gets outside and, <laughs> He's outside and arrested. the whole gang is arrested. <laughs> and I mean, again, I, we talked a little bit about the police critique. I mean, this, this does speak to that a little bit. And it also, and it also like has a major character change because, um, people are like, no, no, he saved us. He, he literally almost gave his life to stop these aliens. And they all start chaining his name. Um, and the movie ends like that. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if they're going to go to jail. You don't know if they're going to, you know, get out, get acquitted or whatever. Um, and it just kind of ends on that, that that open ending, sort of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We don't know exactly where it's going. It does leave it open for a sequel if they so choose, uh, if they ever wanted to do one. But Attack uh, more blocks. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it just, it, spo- it, spoke, it, it spoke to me as a, a, just because all this shit we've gone through over the last couple of years mm. with the police immediately thinking that he was the one who did everything yeah you know what i mean it just has that it has that feeling and unfortunately has aged well <laughs> because they're still obviously you know dealing with those issues yeah for years and years and years and years and years but jason maybe we should take a break and we will come back with some bits and bobbies age of radio It's time for bits and bobs. Attack the bits and bobs. Your host is Jason, 
and sometimes rain and SI for bats and bobs. Bats and bobs. Nice crane shot right out of the gate. Very pretty. Mm. Is this taking place on Guy Fox Day? <laughs> seems to be because there's all these fireworks around. That seems to be the most fireworky day in Britain. Is that Edward Fox's brother? Uh, no, it's spelled F A W K E S. That's no. not the answer to my question. Well, you can figure that out. Uh, oh, um, with with the the thick accents that we get in this movie, for a while I was almost reminded of uh, Clockwork Orange when they were mm. talking amongst themselves, like the gang, because it yes. sounded like that. It didn't sound made up, but you know, a very distinct uh, lingo. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, uh, dialect. I mean, in a youth gang certainly is going to call back to that. Certainly, these kids are not as horrible as. No, not quite. They're, they're 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 not they're more into mugging than than you know a bit of the old ultra violence and all yeah, that. singing in the rain, yeah. assaults. Uh, the soundtrack in this movie is fucking banging. It's a great, great score. It's it's very much like a mashup of kind of traditional orchestral, but then you've got like electronica in there. You've got like drum and bass. Uh, and it, I think it's trying to really pin down kind of the sound of this neighborhood. And it's really good. I really like it. There was a maybe racist grandma in this movie. Because when um, – wow, her real her character's name is Samantha. And that's the first time I've said it. Yeah. Good job, Brennan. Uh, Samantha, Jodie mm-hmm. Whittaker, when she's like mugged and she is like uh, – this old woman like finds her and takes her back to her apartment to like warm up and everything. Yeah. She says something like, they're monsters, all of them, aren't they? And she's talking about gangs, but the way it I, sounds – I thought she was talking about youth. Oh, like maybe. kids. Like she's talking about see? kids being monsters. Two different two different things. Yeah. You just see all these kids attacking you. I thought time. she was just doing a typical racist old granny thing. Yeah. Which is funny that she calls them monsters, by the way, based on, you know, that there's actual monsters in this movie. Uh, I like the, uh, I like, just like the effect when Bruzy, and I know this is done in other movies, that's Bruzy, right? Um, uh, Stoner? Yeah. Yeah. When he, when he, he's listening to uh, 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 the whoop, whoop, like that rap That's the sound song. of the police. Yeah. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. He's listening to that, and then he takes his earbuds out, and the, the stereo track, like, take, like, one track goes away when he takes it out, and then takes the other one out, and it goes away, and it's very muted. Like, I just love shit like that. Like, well, it's very baby driver. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, um, is, is Moses a stoic character, or is he just trying to deal with the trauma of this event? Like, I, I mean, we see him before. I get the sense that he's a pretty serious guy. He is, and you don't see him smile too often. No. It happens a few times. Yeah, he has a few yeah moments, but he seems pretty serious compared to the rest of them. And he's very looked up to as a leader. Yeah. Like they don't, they don't step, they don't, uh, you know, step to him at all. Yeah, there's there's no question of his leadership in the movie. There's no challenges to it. He's yeah. very much the guy that's in charge. Yeah, and I mean, again, go to back to his name. I mean, his name is Moses. Like yeah. that's that's a clear decision he's made by the filmmakers. He's leading these kids through the desert of southern London. They're gonna part the red alien. These Red Sea pedestrians. <laughs> <laughs> yes it's a good folk band yeah uh let's see um yeah when they go to get their weapons i think one one grabs a machete and just grabs a machete out of his house one grabs a katana one i think the uh, briggs i think he grabs like a fucking chain from under the sink she's like hey, he's like no oh, mom i'll be back in 10 minutes <laughs> oh i love it i love the debate um when they debate about what to do with the alien corpse, like what media they're going to send it to, how much they're going to make, yeah. that kind of thing. It's <laughs> yeah. like, that's such a conversation that kids would have. Exactly, like, yeah. exactly. Oh, we can parlay this into a career. Yeah. Um, it was a good chase uh, with the alien chasing after them. Uh, yeah, at one point, um, they they steal some bikes. They get a bunch of motorbikes, but only but not for all of them. <laughs> so two of them have to ride on a bicycle together while yeah. the other guys have gas-powered vehicles. Uh, and that's when the chase is going on. Uh, 
Also, like too, how you could you could argue that you could you could see this movie just as a gang against another gang. Like the aliens could just easily be another gang. Yeah, they are. They're invading their territory, the block. Yeah. That's why they're dealing with them, right? Like it's not it's it's sci-fi in the sense that they are aliens, but when you get down to it, it's really just gang warfare. Like it's just a gang against another gang. Yeah. Um Jodie Whittaker's character, uh uh first off, I love that they re traumatize her. So they go into her apartment randomly and she's there, and of course this poor woman has already been through the ringer. But also her character is weird in this movie because she seems to be like the, the, the white lady that can kind of put in a good word by the end of it. Like at the end mm. of it, it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, these guys saved me. <laughs> As if like the cops would be like, oh, well, if that's the case, then we probably should just release them. <laughs> the white lady told us. The white lady told us they they're fine. Her. So well, they're cool. you know, we say that jokingly, but it's probably not far from the yeah, truth, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it's nice that she put in the word for them, even though she really didn't have to, considering they did pull a knife on her in the beginning of the movie. Yes. I wouldn't. But I think her. she also like having spent. I mean, when you spend yeah. time with someone, you get that's to it. know someone, right? You get to humanize them. And they did save her life a couple times. So. And, and I, there's some there's some moments. It's subtle because they, they a lot of times in this movie, they do go for subtlety. But there's moments in the, that are subtle that, like, when you see John Boyega kind of being chastised by the rest of the group for pulling a knife on her, like we heard that scene yeah. earlier on, um, he kind of has this look on his face, and she kind of glances at him a little bit, like, sideways, you know, like, oh, I kind of understand what's up. Like, people expected more of you, and this is what you've done. Because mm-hmm. that's what I get. This is the vibe I get. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're like, man, what's wrong? Like, why do you even do this? Like, you don't need to do this. Yeah, you're clearly smarter than this. Yeah, and I mean, when he goes in to see Hi-Hat, that drug dealer, and he's like, here, unload some white for me. Yeah, exactly. He's getting into the hardcore shit. And they're like, that's like a promotion. Yeah, <laughs> and they're ways. all proud of him and yeah. stuff. And he smiles, but, you know, I think deep down there's some pain there. Yeah, having to move that shit. Well, no, I just I just mean the pain of, well, the pain like, of the that's, whole this is the life he's in. Yeah. Yeah, they call her a potty mouth at one point because she keeps saying fuck. <laughs> oh, to Jodie Whittaker? Yeah. <laughs> I like how, too, that one of their issues is that none of them have enough data or texts. Like, they, they, mm. they're they always like, oh, I don't, I don't got any credits yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, and that, and that's actually reflective, I think, more of how the cell phone system worked in Britain at that time. And, you know, 2011, like, still that was... Because Europe's had more... I would say Europe's had a more steady cell phone kind of coverage for a long time, but they also have a much more, like... Or at least at the time had a much more monetized version because I feel like we went to Unlimited here pretty quick. Yeah. But uh, it was still an issue over there. So, yes, that is definitely a thing that a kid in 2011 would be worried about, how many texts they have left. Um, when they when they kill the alien, when they kill one of the aliens, they say Tango Neutralized, which I thought was funny because that's a very video gamey thing. And they do make references to, like, you should go home and just play FIFA throughout the movie because they're teenagers. Of course they play video games. Unite your passions. Make yeah. them united passions. That's right. Unite those passions together with Tim. What's his name? Tim. Uh, Thomerson. No, uh, it was in Reservoir Dogs. Bacon. Yeah, Tim Bacon. Good old Tim Bacon. Tim Roth. Tim Roth, that's the guy. He was in United Passions, right? He, uh, does he play Seth Blatter, I think? Seth Blatter? Seth Blatter. His Blatter? last name is Blatter? Blatter or Blather, something like that. I have no idea. He's a fucking scumbag. Tim uh, Roth? No, no, Tim oh. Roth's fine. Seth Blatter is a, is a scumbag. I was like, you, sir, can leave. We may very well get sued by FIFA for that, but I'm saying it. Fuck you, Seth Blatter. I don't even know shit about football. They kill the weeb. Go on. Our friend in the with the scooter, they kill him first. And his head gets popped off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty gruesome. And then the other dude gets killed in the hallway um, pretty brutally, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah they all get... Fu- and then the, the fat dude that's... Uh, that's um, uh, What's his name's buddy? The the top guy. The What's his oh, name? Oh, uh, Hi-Hat. Hi-Hat, yeah. Hi-Hat's uh, a henchman is his big fat dude, and they send him out to check to see. And he's like, oh, there's nothing wrong, and then he immediately gets attacked. I'm, I'm just relieved Nick Frost made it through this movie. Yeah, no, he actually, yeah, he survived. It was good. I'm glad, I'm glad to see. Yeah. 
He's not in any other form. And then he's, they, they learn that fireworks can... They actually learn a lot in the course of this movie. They learn fireworks can stun these things or scare them off. They learn they can kill the fucking things because uh, uh, Moses stabs one with the katana through the head. Yeah. Uh, or what they assume is the head. Um, so they actually do a lot of good work in this movie, data that is necessary for the police and military later on if this becomes a bigger problem in a future possible sequel. But, yeah, I was going to say, for this one, Moses took care of it. I like that there's, like, the smart kid and he wears glasses so that we know he's the smart kid. <laughs> I like how that's your note. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then he gets pinched. Poor guy. They tore, tore, fa- oh, tore the other guy's face off. Um, yeah, face. I, I like it. So uh, uh, Bruzy's the one, you know, this dumb stoner rich kid, which I love. I, I think he's such a great character in this movie because he is, I, literally, I went to school with people like that, like, the, you know, that they, their parents had enough money to send them to school and they just spent their time doing drugs and just, you know, being scumbags. And Bruzy is exactly that. But he's also smart enough that he understands that he's like, this is, he's the guy that figures out this is probably like a, a reproduction thing. Like, you've got pheromones on you. We can see it under the UV light. Maybe that's what they're attracted to. That's why they keep coming after us. So he's the guy that kind of clicks in the, uh, the thing they need to know to be able to deal with them. Well, he's all about the nature shows. Yeah, exactly. He's, he loves, yeah, well, who doesn't love getting stoned and watching fucking Planet Earth? I know I do. That's a... And, and I love the line where he, they ask him something. I forget what the exact line is, but then he goes, I, I'd be able to tell you I wasn't so profoundly stoned. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that your second favorite uh, line about being drunk and stoned after Hugh Grant's line in uh, The Remains of the Day? I, I could explain it to you if I wasn't so drunk. Hugh Grant's line in The Remains of the Day. Yeah, I think that's his line. Is Hugh Grant in The Remains of the Day? That's the one with Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Yeah, he's the, yeah. Yeah, he? he's, yeah, he's the one who says it. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. Yeah, it's clearly. We did it for this podcast, Jason. I know, I know we did. Um, but yeah, he. Uh, I, I like that she does. A, she, again, she uh, Jodie Whittaker pulls a video game move and slips by them in stealth mode. And they don't smell her. Well, yeah, because they find that's when they find out yeah. that the aliens are only attracted to yeah, them because of the the pheromones that are all over John Boyd's shirt. She's like a fucking champ. Uh, yeah, and that's pretty much all I have. Uh, the, and the, yes, and the white lady will vouch for them. And at the end, the kids going bra bra. Makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so this movie was well, very well received, mm-hmm. critically acclaimed, uh, 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, the, uh, the website Slash Film lists it as a true cult classic, uh, or I guess a future cult classic. Mm. Um, Roger Ebert, good old Rog. Before uh, he passed. Good. I'm before, glad he got to review this movie. Yeah. He, uh, he praised the film's use of character development and the performance given by Boyega. Um, Scott Wampler or Scott Wampler of the Examiner said it was the the best film of the 2011 film festival season and likened it to other debuts uh, like Neil Blomkamp's uh, District Nine mm-hmm. and Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. Wow, strong words. Um, District Nine, by the way, fantastic movie. Yes. On the other side, Mark Kermode kind of gave a mixed review. He said he did not dislike the film, but he wanted it to be funnier and he needed it to be scarier. Okay, so uh, yeah. In a 2017 retrospective, Tom Phillip writing for GQ. Tom Phillip, not the WWE announcer, uh, Tom Phillips. Um, Is that Todd Phillips? Or, no, there's a Tom Phillips. Okay. Todd, Todd, there was a Todd. There's both. <laughs> um, Tom Phillips said that uh, it's one of the most confidently delivered debut feature films in recent memory and still stands out as one of the best genre mashup films of the decade. And it, we talked about how it established Boyega. But it kind of launched Jodie Whittaker, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, so, yeah. I mean, she's not as much of a household name as he was because, obviously, of Star Wars. But um, but she certainly is a household name in the UK now. Yes, yeah, so we should note one one thing 
of that I've learned on this podcast is that there are people that I had never heard of huge in other places. Yeah. I, I highly recommend Brendan. Um, if you're ever bored, you highly recommend Brendan, I highly recommend Ladies. Brendan if you're bored, but for Brendan, I highly recommend if he is bored, uh, go on YouTube sometime and look up shows like eight out of 10 cats or, um, QI or, um, uh, the last leg there are these British panel shows and you get introduced to a lot of really funny British comedians who we have no idea who they are over here because they never are on anything in in uh, you know American Canadian media yeah you know guys like or, or friends that you miss like Rich Hall <laughs> yes of course That's Saturday Night Live's Rich Hall absolutely and not necessarily the news um well, I mean, honestly, if you look at it from the other perspective, it's not that much different. How many Americans do you see go to Britain and do, like, shows there? Sometimes, but not always. Like, I've, I've, 8 of 10 Cats actually had uh, Carrie Fisher on. But, I mean, right how many times do you see them go there and have shows? Yeah, I mean... Jason Sudeikis doing that Ted Lasso show in the yeah. UK is, like, one of the few yes. examples I've seen. It is cool that that happened. And, yeah. yeah, it doesn't happen as much. It's more the other way around. I haven't usually. seen it. I heard it was really good. You, and, unfortunately, it's usually seen as, like, a it's a step down, right? You're going from American media into British media. Which is weird. Which is stupid. But, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's too bad. I mean, like, David Cross did a show uh, in England at one time. I forget what it was even called. Arrested but. Development. Sure, that's the one. It was called <laughs> Arrested Development. Arrested Development in uh, Surrey. Surrey. I'm poor. I'm angry. They were poor and angry. <laughs> Sorry, Surrey. I'm sure you're great. I'm sure it's a wonderful place. What were you going to say? No, I, 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 I just was talking about Surrey. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, well, Jason, we come to the moment where we are going to decide this film's fate. Yeah, well... Um, well, I mean, first of all, let's just say, um, what did you think of Attack the Block? Great. Absolutely great. Enjoyed it, every second of it. It was a great, enjoyable film. Everybody's good in it. Uh, it was fun. It was... Uh, uh, I wouldn't say it was scary, but it was... Uh, I don't think it was trying to be super no, scary. No, no. Yeah. It, was, it was a fun... It was a fun, small-scale alien movie. And there's not a lot of those these days in the same way. Um you usually got to go big with that stuff, but it's kind of interesting to see something like that, and I enjoy, and especially like I say, that that just the visual callback to Out of This World really creeped me out because that that alien always creeped me out as a kid. Um, so yeah, anyways, great, wonderful, check it out, Brendan. This is a pile of shit, man. <laughs> no, um, no, this was a movie I presented to the show. So obviously, because I'm not Jason, mm -hmm. I actually had seen this movie. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, no, I really like it. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's again, you, it, it's cool to see someone before they were a star, mm -hmm. like before they were known, yes. and you, you can just see that. You can just see that star power just under the surface, the right? Talent is there. It's like when you see a really old, shitty movie with Brad Pitt. Yeah, you're like that guy doesn't just belong in this movie what shitty movies old shitty movies is Brad Pitt there's in. some early 90s Was stuff he that he did Earth Girls Are Easy or something no like it's that? stuff that you've never heard okay. of I swear <laughs> um, but I did manage to track down and it's dicey uh, but anyway it's great it's yeah. fantastic yeah. Um, now second part of that is would you put this on a list in the future that's you know what I think it would definitely be in the running I don't know that it would necessarily make it onto the list but I think it would be definitely considered is it is a total package of a movie i think it's very well made and it is representative and, and maybe certainly in a post 2000 uh list or a post 1999 list that incorporates the last 22 odd years yeah I, I think if it's not on there it certainly is in the running yeah i yeah and i mean it's um 
You mentioned the representation. I think that's important because yeah. I don't think we have enough representation yeah, on no, this it, list. No, it's a very white list for sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, very this, white male list. Yeah, on, absolutely. Honestly, uh, and and to be fair, that's you know that's the industry for a lot of years. Like the you yeah. know white males run it. They get the biggest pieces of the pie, and that's represented in these lists. But uh, yeah, this would definitely help uh, mix that up a bit. And it's great. It should be. It should be in the running. Well, I mean, those white men can't jump. So what do they know? <laughs> that's right. They don't know nothing. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I would say it's tough. I, I would say something like this, it would be fun to have it as a, like a late end, you know, like a little ways down, but like a good little spot on the I list. I know one That's, movie we could swap it out for. It's not super influential, but I mean, it was made a, 10 years ago, so. We have a lot, I, I have a lot of movies sitting in that English patient slot. A lot of movies. <laughs> I thought you were going to suggest uh, The Servant. No, that's great. That's fantastic, folks. Check the servant out. Wonderful. You know what? Switch out Lawrence of Arabia. Put in Attack the Block. Make English Patient the other 99 films. Ah, Let's get this done. The perfect list. (laughs) Yes. Starring Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, That's a perfect murder reference, Jason. Oh, okay. I thought it was a candle reference, a vaginal candle reference. On that note, speaking mm. of vaginal candles, mm. um, Jason, we should talk about what we're talking about next week. Which next is, week which is, is... Which is not vaginal candles, no. nor are we talking about goop. Um, we, But maybe, because I've never seen this movie. If Gwyneth Paltrow can get us a check in the next week, we will talk about goop. But if we don't, then we're not, we're not going to say nothing. Yeah, exactly. Gwynny, make it happen. Make it happen. Um, we're actually going to talk about... This is our final Brit pick. Uh, for, I mean, probably final Brit pick. Um, maybe ever. Maybe. But uh, we're going to talk about a movie that one of our listeners requested. Um, that was Susie Cuthbert. Now, is Susie related to Canadian royalty Alicia Cuthbert? I'm assuming. I have to hope. I'm assuming everybody is. I'm sure she was there on set while she was filming Popular Mechanics for Kids. Or Girl Next Door. That would have been uncomfortable. Door. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> um, but yeah, Susie Cuthbert. Because um, we were talking about, like, we talked about a few Powell and Pressburger films. Mm-hmm. And she she thought it would be cool if we took a look at the Powell and Pressburger film from 1945, I believe, called I Know Where I'm Going! Exclamation mark. be the second exclamation mark movie we've talked about on this podcast, Jason. Yeah. So let's do it. Let's talk about Powell and Pressburger's I Know Where I'm Going. I'm interested to see it. If it's not on the list, we'll see if it should uh, should be. Yeah. I, I don't know anything about it. Me neither. So there you go. There you have it. Jason, they can find us on social media they can find us on facebook just search for for screen and country you can find us on twitter at bfi underscore pod you can find us at our home base at ageofradio.org slash for screen and country that's where we are and uh and uh yeah um jason where can they find you they can find me at jason d mcleod on twitter that is m-a-c-l-e-o-d as i've said before the hottest retweets the finest likes the occasional yeah comments and every Check now and then a few blah 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 I'm coming for you blah 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 <laughs> cancelled <laughs> <laughs> uh, perfect so on that note then next week we'll talk about I know where I'm going but until then I just have to say to you God save the queen ooh and God save that screen Oh, and for screen and country, I'm Brendan. Ooh, baby, I'm Jason. Yeah. We'll catch you next week on the pod. That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the beast. That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the beast. That's the sound of the police.
Minimum. 